0: Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, January 22nd. In today's news, more U.S. airports begin screening passengers from China for the coronavirus. Hillary Clinton says she'll support Bernie Sanders if he's the Democratic nominee after hinting, she may not. And the Supreme Court punts a major decision on Obamacare until after the 2020 election. But first, the big idea. A little after 1 a.m. Eastern time this morning, Chief Justice John Roberts rebuked House impeachment managers and defense lawyers for President Trump over their decorum. Roberts is presiding over the third impeachment trial of a president in U.S. history. He's mostly kept quiet. But he jumped in after acrimonious exchanges between House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, the Democrat from New York, and Trump lawyers Pat Cipollone and Jay Succolow. Roberts said it's appropriate at that point for him to admonish both the House managers and the President's Council in equal terms to, quote, "...remember that they are addressing the world's greatest deliberative body." One reason it's earned that title, Roberts explained, is because members avoid speaking in a manner and using language that's not conducive to civil discourse. Roberts added that a House manager was admonished by the Chief Justice during a 1905 impeachment trial of a federal judge for using the phrase petty-fogging. Petty fogging is a term that means placing undue emphasis on petty details. Roberts quipped that the Senate doesn't need to aspire to that high of a standard, But he said those addressing the Senate should remember where they are. Just before 2 a.m., the Senate finally voted to accept the ground rules that will guide the rest of the trial. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was forced to revise his proposed rules, the ones I told you about yesterday morning, in order to avert a rebellion among Republicans. In the end, the final parameters of the trial were approved on strictly partisan lines, but the measure passed only after revisions to placate moderate Republicans. Now... Both the Democratic impeachment managers and Trump's defense team will have up to three days each to make their case, and evidence from the House will be entered automatically unless there's an objection. The changes were so last-minute that there were handwritten scribbles in the legislation marking the revisions. After those tweaks, the rules now largely mirror what the Senate used for Bill Clinton's trial back in 1999— One of the senators most upset about the initial provisions was Susan Collins, uh, the Republican from Maine, who will be a key swing vote on procedural matters during the trial. But the concern spread beyond the closely watched core of GOP swing senators. Rob Portman, the Republican from Ohio, for example, was among those who voiced strong objections during a closed-door lunch with Republicans before the trial started about the two-day timetable. The provision didn't please Lisa Murkowski, the Republican from Alaska, either they were all worried that it would make it look like Republicans were ensuring that there was not a fair trial. Democrats seized on McConnell making those changes as proof that a small clutch of GOP senators facing public opposition to any component of the highly contentious trial could force the Senate Majority Leader to reverse course, though the Kentucky Republican ultimately did win all 53 GOP votes in favor of his measure. On other issues, Republicans killed attempts from Democrats to modify the parameters of the proceedings to allow for an assortment of documents and a slate of witnesses at the outset. In a sign of fatigue, at least on the GOP side, McConnell halted trial proceedings shortly before 9.30 p.m. last night in a bid to negotiate an end to the hours-long debate over amendments to his proposed set of rules that seemed destined to go on for much longer and that also seemed destined to fail. But after a brief recess that allowed the senators to talk, the two sides didn't reach a deal to speed things up. That's why it went until about 2 a.m. Earlier in the debate, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, and his members forced an attempt to subpoena documents kept by the White House, including the National Security Council, as well as separate efforts to obtain records from the State Department, the Pentagon, and the Office of Management and Budget. All these agencies are completely stonewalling, refusing to turn anything over. Democrats also pushed to summon former National Security Advisor John Bolton, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, and other administration witnesses that Democrats have been demanding for weeks. Every single one of those things was rejected on a party-line vote. All 100 senators were compelled to stay in their seats through the trial without their phones. All they can do is drink water and milk. No coffee's allowed. So maybe it's not shocking that Slumber claimed its first victim about five hours in. About 5.30 p.m. last night, Senator James Reisch, the Republican from Idaho, fell asleep for about 15 minutes. Reisch is chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which oversees the State Department. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, Chinese health authorities are trying to impose a quasi-quarantine around the hotspot of a mystery pneumonia-like virus that's claimed at least nine lives in China and has now been confirmed in the United States for the first time. The U.S. case, a man in his 30s who's currently under observation and quarantine in Washington state, had links to the area of most concern in China, the commercial center of Wuhan, which is about halfway between Beijing and Hong Kong. In an attempt to contain the virus, Chinese authorities have advised people in the city of 11 million, yes, a city of 11 million people, that they are not to leave town. But the U.S. case showed how far the very contagious virus has moved beyond the Wuhan region. North Korea, for example, has sealed its borders to all foreign tourists, especially Chinese tourists, in an attempt to keep out the coronavirus. And the Geneva-based World Health Organization is holding an emergency meeting later today to decide whether to designate this outbreak an international public health emergency. And U.S. officials are today adding the Chicago and Atlanta hubs to the list of places where passengers arriving from Wuhan, China, will be screened for the coronavirus. Enhanced screening is already taking place at JFK in New York, plus LAX and SFO in California. More than 1,200 travelers have already been screened, but thankfully... No one has been found to have the virus or been hospitalized through the screenings here stateside. At least, not yet. Number two. Yesterday, Democrats had been hoping to keep Americans focused squarely on that impeachment trial, but many in the party were instead watching in alarm and dismay as a fresh spat emerged between Hillary Clinton and the candidate she defeated in 2016, Bernie Sanders. Doesn't it feel like the 2016 campaign just never ends? In comments published early Tuesday, Clinton left open the possibility that she may not support Sanders if he's the party nominee. Those remarks unleashed fresh angst less than two weeks before the Iowa caucuses. Sanders has been leading in some polls. Sanders has been engaged in battles with rivals on various fronts over the past week, squabbling with Elizabeth Warren over whether he once said a woman couldn't be president, attacking Joe Biden with an out-of-context video about Social Security, and issuing a rare apology after one of his top surrogates called Biden corrupt, Clinton's comments came in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter of all places to promote a documentary about her that will premiere on Saturday at the Sundance Film Festival. In that film, Clinton offers a blunt assessment of Sanders. She calls him a career politician who has deceived his supporters into believing he could implement change when he never could. In the film, Clinton says, quote, Nobody likes Bernie. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. When asked by The Hollywood Reporter if that assessment still holds, Clinton responded, yes, it does. Then she demurred when asked if that means she wouldn't support him if he's the nominee. Under pressure, Clinton tweeted late last night that she will support whoever the Democrats nominate for president because her number one priority is beating Trump. Number three, the Supreme Court has denied a motion by House Democrats to fast-track a challenge to the Affordable Care Act so that it could be considered this term. Without comment, the justices turned down a motion that the House had made, along with a bunch of Democratic attorney generals at the state level, to expedite review of a decision last month by a panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans, one of the more conservative circuits. The panel struck down the 2010 law's mandate that individuals buy health insurance, but sent back to a lower court the question of whether the rest of the statute Can stand without it. But the lower courts have kept the Affordable Care Act in place as appeals continue. So the practical effect of the Supreme Court's action is that it will stay that way in limbo, at least through the November elections. Democrats have made health care and the defense of Obamacare a key point in their campaigns. And after years of losing races because of it, they were obviously able to play offense on the issue in 2018. The House and Democratic states were eager to get the issue before the High Court because the majority that's upheld the ACA in two previous Supreme Court challenges remains. Nancy Pelosi lamented yesterday's SCOTUS announcement as a big win for Republicans. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, January 22nd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to get more news about the impeachment process, you can subscribe to a podcast feed from The Washington Post with all our updates in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. Find it at WashingtonPost.com podcasts.